Hello, hello, everybody. Today's guest is the return of my man, my friend, Michael Trainer. Uh, we recorded this about a month ago via Squadcast, which is a new platform I'm using online instead of Zoom. So let me know how the audio goes. I think it's good. I've certainly been enjoying it, the connectivity and all that good stuff, and it's made um, the lack of travel no big deal. So hopefully uh, you guys enjoy this one. We took a dive into some really cool meditation practices. Uh, if you haven't heard the first time Michael was on, he, his very first podcast was with the Dalai Lama on his 80th birthday. Uh, he's very well connected to some of um, the most influential and awesome spiritual teachers on the planet. Uh, he's, he's, he's done a lot of cool stuff. So I'll link to that in the show notes for you. That way, if you, if you find interest in this one and you want to backtrack, um, cover a lot of different topics on this. Talk about COVID a little bit, um, but not, it's not the main point. The main point is, you know, what are we doing in the day-to-day to really plant seeds to, to live a better life, regardless of what quarantine looks like for us, regardless of whatever the new normal becomes? Um, how can we carve out more space and time during the day? for ourselves, for our loved ones, for the things that we're passionate about rather than the things that we have to do because we all have shit we have to do. And um, Michael is, and one of, in my opinion, one of the best people to talk to when it comes to that. So we've got a lot of good stuff here. Please uh, leave us a five-star rating. You know, a lot of podcasts are, uh, they're not, I wouldn't say struggling, but there's just less people listening just due to the fact that there's less commuting, less people at work, a lot of people working from home, that kind of stuff. So... Uh, if you would, leave us a five-star rating with one or two ways the show has helped you out in life, and that'll get the word out about our podcast. In addition, support our wonderful sponsors because they make this show possible, and this episode is brought to you by Grass-Fed Intestines with Tripe by Ancestral Supplements. Ancestral Supplements makes New Zealand-sourced nose-to-tail organ meats, bone marrow, and intestines in simple, convenient gelatin capsules. According to the great John Fire Lame Deer, the eating of guts evolved into a contest. Quote, in the old days, we used to eat the guts of the buffalo, making a contest of it. Two fellows getting hold of a long piece of intestines from opposite ends started chewing toward the middle, seeing who can get there first. That's eating. Those buffalo guts full of half-fermented, half-digested grass and herbs. You didn't need any pills and vitamins when you swallowed those. End quote. So, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, I've had, I've had some funky stuff. Uh, when I hunted with Ben Greenfield, we had uh, testicles that were sliced thin and fried in, uh, in a little dredge. You know, and Ben gets really into this. He's like, uh, I like to do a little uh, almond flour egg yolk dredge and pan seared on both sides in the cast iron with sea salt and black pepper. And he was way into it. They actually didn't taste bad. This is something I would not do. I, maybe if I was in the presence of lame deer back in the day, and and, and I was and I was in, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe if I was out for Sundance, something like that, I would for sure partake. But I don't know that I could choke this down. This seems like something from Fear Factor. All that aside, most people aren't going to eat organ meats due to the fact that they taste different than regular meat, and that's okay. The truth is, these are some of the very best, some of the most bioavailable and highly nutrient-packed things you can put in your body. And this is the way our ancestors eat. Not You don't have to be Native American. Everyone used to eat this way. We ate nose to tail. There wasn't a part of an animal that we didn't use for some good. And thanks to ancestral supplements, we can still do that today. 
And what's cool about these is there's a ton of good stuff in here. Intestines, the stomach, the tripe, and other gelatinous parts provided a concentrated amount of connective tissue, undenatured collagen, probiotics, and other gut-specific proteins that are now absent from the modern diet. So you don't have to eat and have a race with your homeboy uh, trying to munch, you know, like Lady and the Tramp all the way to the middle of uh, some giant buffalo intestines. You can actually get this. Tasha's been taking it mid-pregnancy and absolutely loves it. Uh, visit ancestralsupplements.com slash Kyle. We got my new landing page up and you'll get off 10% off everything in the store. That's ancestralsupplements.com slash Kyle. We are also brought to you today by my dudes at One Farm. One Farm is a 100% USDA certified organic hemp farm, making the very best CBD products on the planet. They use full spectrum. That means you get every single cannabinoid and terpene found in that plant, including a microdose of THC. And it's 50 states legal, so don't worry about it. You're not going to get stoned. Um, not going to be an issue with work, but at the same time, it is the way Mother Nature intended this plant to be. The full concert, the full orchestra of all those little bioactive nutrients within. And it's incredible for sleep. It's incredible for anxiety, uh, especially if you lean heavy on caffeine like I used to uh, for many years. No doubt um, this will help balance those energies. So you still get the aspects of energy and thought and, and language and all the fun stuff that we need from caffeine, but none of the nasty side effects all balanced with a full spectrum CBD. They also have night creams, facial serums, and all sorts of stuff for your lovely misses. Or if you're getting old and haggardy and been hit in the face like me, it works really well for dudes too. So check that out at onefarm.com slash Kyle, and you'll get off 15% off everything in the store. Pretty phenomenal. We're also brought to you by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley is making some of the very best supplements and in my opinion, the best beef sticks I've ever had. They have beef sticks, they have turkey sticks, they make them in all sorts of flavors from uh, cranberry turkey into jalapeno beef, garlic summer sausage is one of my absolute favorites. It kind of reminds me of a kid eating the, um, the not so good for you a summer sausage on Triscuits or Wheat Thins. Uh, and of course, I've ditched all the glutinous stuff, but at the same time now, uh, I know when I'm on the road, when I'm driving, or even just throwing a couple in my fanny pack, Anywhere I go, I've got a portable, paleo, carnivorous, and delicious 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef stick that really does nourish me as well as fill me up. So I'm not worried about snacking on, having to snack on stuff constantly throughout the day because it's, it's a meal in a bar, and it's fantastic. Head over to paleovalley.com and enter code word Kyle at checkout for 15% off your order. That's paleovalley.com and enter code word Kyle at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Last but definitely not least, my good friends, Alex Rubchinsky and Sarah Gustafson, who will soon be, uh, actually, I don't know, they might hyphenate, they might not, who knows what's going to happen there with the last name, but they are getting married uh, this year. So very happy for these guys. Um, they are two very high-level Czech practitioners that have taken a deep dive into archetypes and relationships and many other amazing aspects of how to live each day a little bit better um, than the last. Sound familiar? That's certainly been my motto and certainly one of the reasons why I've gotten into human optimization and optimizing all aspects of life. And that's them in a nutshell. Uh, I started working with Alex back in the day when I first got to on it. It was a lot of body stuff. And over the years, as we've become closer and closer, I work with both of them on relationship tips, communication, and everything in between, including the archetypes which uh, work symbolically to really help us perceive things in a different way that language sometimes just can't get to. 
But they focus on three really important pieces here. Three modules explored each week are energy, elevation, and expansion. So they coach you each week on how to repair and nourish the body, mind, and spirit through nutrition, mindful eating practices, restoration, and assistance with maintaining our rhythms to maintain your body's immune system and natural healing processes. They also guide you each week into reaching your highest potential intellectually, emotionally, and physically through authentic soul expression and the integration of deepening practices and movement exercises so you can build and pursue the life you are meant to live while experiencing the ecstasy of harmonizing your frequencies with the orchestras of passion and purpose. It takes courage to explore all three levels of consciousness and integrate each of these into the true expressions of our being in all areas of our life. And often it takes a lifetime of practice, and that is why they are here. No one person is right or wrong. Their purpose is to guide you through the complexities, polarities, and dualities that create beauty and love. You guys can check them out at primalfusionhealth.com slash e3 slash Kyle forward slash. And uh, if you don't want to write all that stuff down, just click to the link in the show notes. And they've got three free videos for you guys to look through to really take a deeper dive. I'll also link to their podcast in the show notes. And of course, um, you'll get, in addition to that free stuff, a huge discount on their private coaching. So check those guys out. And without further ado, my man, Michael Trainer. Let's just get let's just get an update here. We got Michael Trainer on the podcast. Uh, the return of Michael Trainer. He was on once before. We'll link to that in the show notes. Um, and you're you're out in California, which is where I was born and raised. It has certainly been an odd thing to watch to see how different states are handling the current situation. I think we're in large part. Um, I mean, I in my heart, I fucking know we're out of the woods on this. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, the consciousness coming back from it and being like, are we safe? That kind of thing. So, but, but again, a lot of, a lot of what's going on with, with the fear that's being perpetually, uh, just reinstated from the news and everything going on. And, and even our governments is affecting people differently. Now you got a good head on your shoulders, but California has treated this like the bubonic plague. Yeah. Uh, even you know, Rogan made that post of the L.A. mayor saying, if you see anybody that's not obeying the six feet uh, radius rule and that kind of shit, you know, as far as social distancing, report them. And he's asking for people to report them. I mean, that's straight up McCarthyism. It's uh, Salem witch trials. It's 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 fucking shit on your knee. Like, I don't like my neighbor. So, yeah, that guy fucking did it. <laughs> he, was saying, he had 10 people at his house last night. You know, it's that kind of, it's like, that's, that's exactly what that basic, what, what that mayor is asking for is basically turning it back into that kind of a situation mm. where it's, it's not people banding together. It's people looking at the other through separation. It's, um, and it's even more fear mongering. You know, so with all that said, you know, and I just had Paul Saladino on the carnivore doc, medical doctor who really dropped a ton of knowledge on the real statistics behind this. And uh, in large part, you know, as I had thought, um, we are not going to see the numbers that were predicted in terms of deaths. We are not going to see the numbers of people infected. And um, although people have died and I want to acknowledge that it's not it's not the end of the world that we thought it was. So, but tell me what it's been like being in California, because I know initially it was like a lot of my buddies were still surfing, still at the ocean. Then they shut the beaches down. 
Um, what's it been like being out in LA? I mean, it's been, well, first of all, thanks for having me back on the show, brother. It's good to be Fuck here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Always, always love our hangs and always love our talks. Um, in terms of Cali, it's been interesting, man. So this morning I went out as I do, and uh, I, I'm grateful and fortunate to live on the beach. And I went out and uh, there were surfers in the water. You know, it's glassy. There's been bioluminescence, which has been wild. So we've had plankton. So like at night, tons of people have been gathering. Um, it's more than I, 10. <laughs> way, 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 way more than 10. And it's interesting because there has been, so like I'll go out like during, like a month ago, obviously when it was, I think a little bit more restrictive and, and, and kind of people didn't know, right? Like we didn't, we didn't really know where it was going to go. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, sort of, uh, Dr. Peter Tia, you know, like, or, like about a month, month and a half ago, you know, some of those models were definitely, uh, more intimidating, shall we say, in regards to where they, we thought this could potentially go. And, uh, you know, so I, I maintained also having two, um, elders that I would, I would, I would say, as, you know, as my folks that are in the highest risk category and, and wanting to be a good, um, sort of a good citizen and also knowing, uh, Frank, because of my personal situation with my dad, um, approaching his, his transition, um, I wanted to be able to make sure that I could be there for him and, and they're in Chicago. So I did a hardcore quarantine with the exception of, uh, going out on my daily runs where I would like, you know, I wouldn't be close to anyone anyway. So, um, but now it's interesting about a month, month and a half later. Yeah. I mean, people were out surfing this morning. The lifeguards do drive by, but they drive by pretty slow. You know, like I think they definitely are like, you know, get that vitamin D, you know, get, you know, calm. Cause I think that's the other big piece, right? Like what's the mental repercussion going to be now? I mean, you got 30 million people now in America alone that have declared unemployment. And, um, I think there, we're, we're entering into a whole new phase of, of the consequences of, of this, uh, sort of pandemic and the, and the social distancing, et cetera. But in terms of California, I mean, look, I think I, I lived in New York for a long period of my life and my heart goes out to those in New York. I'm very grateful that I'm not living in New York right now in regards to just lifestyle and nature and being able to sort of stay sane. I feel I have a huge amount of empathy. I lived in like a fifth floor walk up in Chelsea and I can't imagine being on top of people right now. Um, so my heart goes out for, for those folks that are, that are quarantined in, uh, you know, super close confines. And I know, I, I mean, I'd be fascinated because you actually are in a slightly different context in that uh, you have been with your family. And I've been inspired, obviously, because I think you do it really well in terms of staying active and, and having such a, you know, healthy relationship as it relates to, you know, you know, inspiring and modeling for, for Bear, your, for your son. Like, just, I think there's like, I think there's, that's the piece I think would be most challenging is I don't yet have children and I can't imagine being in close confines, wanting to, uh, you know, take care of my kids, uh, and, and be the provider and, and, and all of that. And then having, you know, with 30 million people losing your job and like the, the mental pressure, the, the identity, I think issues that come up with like your sense of purpose being gone. And then also, you know, being 24 seven with your kids in close confines, I've definitely had it easier than many. Um, uh, but in terms of Cali, yeah, for sure. Like the state has been more strict than others. I talked to my other friend in Texas and she was like, oh yeah, people here are like chill. And she lives in New York, but moved here, moved from Cali to New York. She's like in New York, it's like a ghost town. Like she's in Soho. She walks out. She doesn't see anybody. She's like in Texas. It's like, at least from her perspective, she was like people, it's like, it's not even happening. Um, Cali, Cali definitely like it's happening, but Something about May, like I feel like we shifted into like people, whether it's watch, seeing this, the revised numbers on the CDC, 
um, whether it's, you know, just like the down prog- uh, progression or whether it's people just being like, fuck it, I don't care. There's definitely a lot more people out. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we have, I think it's turned the corner. You know, yeah. we have a lot of businesses going back to work now. This episode will probably release, I think, early June. So to give people context, this is the, what is it? Second day of May. Yeah. May 4th, May 4th. So first Monday of May, this will probably release first Monday in June. So we'll probably have a month lag here, unfortunately, but um, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's changing a bit. We have a lot of businesses reopening. Uh, obviously there's still parameters around wearing a mask when you go to uh, the grocery store, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I, and I do dive deep into that with Saladino. So I don't want to rehash that too much, but um, one of the things that I've really been focused on, you know, in, in the people that I coach and, and in fit for service and otherwise one-on-one is basically what seeds do we plant right now that outlast quarantine? Mm. So as we're asked to go inside and as we're asked to go inside ourselves and really take inventory of everything that's happening in our lives personally, as well as globally, uh, I want to know what changes you've made that are going to last past quarantine. What are some of the things that you've started to adopt daily practices for yourself um, that you think will really, you know, once this thing goes back to the new normal, will really last past that? Uh, great question, my, my, my man. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about that. And, um, you know, a couple things I implemented pre-quarantine that will, that I'm going to, that I'm going to keep rocking post-quarantine and then some things have evolved during the course of this period. So pre-quarantine in October, I actually um, stopped drinking. Wasn't like I wasn't an alcoholic, just like was like kind of did a cost benefit analysis and was like, you know what? I want to be like super on point. I've got some things I'm working on. I want to be like very dialed and uh, I don't want the cost of the next day feeling like shit. So I basically, it's been now a little over six months. Uh, Again, no hard rules about never drinking again. You know, if I'm on the beach with like, you know, my lady in Italy, like I'll probably have a bottle of wine, but, uh, but basically, um, you know, for now that has actually really served me. I think, um, you know, my father, who's my heart passed away about, uh, three weeks ago and to confront sort of my individual mourning, uh, but to be there with him and to like, fully face that, you know, the memento Mori, like, you know, confronts our mutual friend, Ryan holiday gave me this when I interviewed him and to confront that death of the person I love most on the planet, but to do it like, um, totally sober, um, was a beautiful, it was a really beautiful process. And I felt very honored that I could do that, that I could be there with him. Um, cause I know a lot of people, and that's one of the other crazy things is right now, so many people who are, who are dying, don't get to have funerals. They don't get to have memorials. Uh, they don't get to even be with their loved ones when they're passing, you know, they're, they're, they're often banned from if they're in, in medical fa- care facilities. So I feel very grateful that I was able to have a, a good death with my dad, you know, so that, and what that inspired is probably almost as significant, if not more so than the quarantine, because I think, you know, we're sort of in this collective grieving, if you will. Um, I think in the, in the collective sort of psyche for me as an individual, I just had a real reckoning on, you know, you know, maybe I'm in a sec, you know, I, I don't know if I'm a Dave Asprey, I'm going to live to 160. So let's just say like, I'm in the midpoint of life. If I'm like, if I was looking at, you know, my dad, who's now made the, you know, the great crossing. You know, to me, it's like, all right, how do I want to live this? Let's call it the back 40, like the second half of life. Like, how, what, what, how do I want to show up? What are, the, what are my core priorities? 
And I feel like some of the shit that mattered just doesn't matter anymore. You know, I think, and I think that's probably true for a lot of people where you're like, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm just, I, uh, you know, I'll use an extreme example. Maybe it's like Instagram, like X person unfollowed me or whatever, you know, like the little shit that we get, we, our minds get wrapped up in like that makes no difference in life right like also being being in my 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 house that i grew up in and like walking by all these places that like um i had grown up you know my high school you know like which has now been over 20 years since i went there thinking about how fast time moves and you know this quarantine's only been a couple months but i think it's kind of created a fundamental reckoning around how we're spending our time and to me having that c- compounded by confronting sort of existential mortality of that, which I love the most. It's like, okay, like one, nothing is more precious than time. Two, having health in that time is the greatest possible resource, uh, gift, wealth we can have, you know, like the Buddha said of all wealth, health is greatest and best. And I am more committed to that than ever. And just like, I, I got a burn in me that wants to live the like most full life with the people I give a shit about, you know, like I want to live life with my people, you know, like that is to me is like, you know, on my deathbed, it's going to be, it's not going to be like, do I have a Lambo in the, in the driveway? I mean, like, that's the thing, like sitting at my dad's desk and realizing all the stuff he'd accumulated, right? Like we know intellectually you can't take it with you, but like literally being like, actually there's a burden even to getting rid of some of these things. You know, it's so interesting that we spend so much time accumulating things and attaching our identity or our worth uh, to to this pursuit of material, which has absolutely you know no role ultimately at the end of t- at, at the end of the game. So, I think for me personally, as well as I think in in this collective moment, I think taking stock of of of, of frankly a, a lot of the shit that just really doesn't matter, which we know intellectually, but I think you really kind of like you really get it, and I and it's been a great equalizer right on the collective front. I don't care if you're a billionaire or you're, you know, like whatever, everyone's confined to their home. Right. So it's like, you know, it's, it's like you could, you spend your whole life chasing this rabbit and then you, you know, and then it's like, you can't even potentially use that. So that's not to say take away from people's ambition or, or their pursuits, their purpose, et cetera. It's just to say, I think what, what's been, what's been, you know, on, on a kind of a spiritual level, what's happened is I feel like we've, confronted over into recognizing our inherent interdependence and moving away from this fallacy of individuality. And at the same time, in the context of individuality, so just recognizing that we're interdependent, right? If someone in in, in China gets a virus, you know, while it may not be as catastrophic as we thought, it can shake up our reality for a little bit in time, you know? So, So one, I think recognizing that one, we're all interdependent, and then two, on an individual level, Given that interdependence, what do I want? How do I want to double down? And for me, the reckoning has been, I want to double down on spending time, quality time with the people I care about. Because at the end of the day, that's that's what I want my life to be about. Yeah, no doubt. Beautifully stated. It's, it's reminded me of a couple of things. One, the book that I read late last year, Essentialism. Yeah, I've, I've hammered home, right? What is essential and what is non-essential? 100%. And, and, and globally, when we think of this too, and I mean, a lot of people don't look through the lens of the esoteric or or you know, spirit space, but the greater message of us all going within is the reflection, right? And it's to push pause. It's the only way we could have pushed pause. Like, how do we push pause? How does Gaia say, hold the fuck up, everybody (laughs) go inside and and let's have a review here of what's going on. And really, what do we appreciate most? It is gathering in mass. It is the concerts. It is community and being face to face with people. And even though we've seen, um, 
you know, our ability to communicate, you know, through social media and through these different platforms really blow up and explode in a positive way through Zoom calls, you know, and different things like that. And, and uh, we're recording right now on Squadcast, which is like a new podcast provider. Hopefully it goes well. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that manifest from that that are good. But at the same time, it's like this slingshot. We got to go backwards yeah. before we get to go forwards. And then as we get catapulted forward, how do we dream? The more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. You know, Charles Eisenstein wrote that fucking phenomenal, uh, phenomenal so article called The Coronation. And I've linked to it in podcasts before. We'll link to it in this one again. But there was an article on Medium. And this is funny because it's, it's – <laughs> I, uh, I got one foot in in the frying pan of real science where I talked to guys like Paul Saladino and then I got one foot in the frying pan of, of the spirit world. And um, there was an article on Medium written by uh, somebody who, what you know, basically the title was what I learned uh, about coronavirus in my ayahuasca session, which is hilarious because there's everybody's dropping in trying to figure out what this means and all that. But she's a brilliant writer. And what she was saying is humanity has basically been in the stage of the caterpillar where we consume nonstop and, and at a rate where we're just growing and growing and growing and growing. And then we go into the cocoon, which we've been in right now. And as we come out as butterflies, we become pollinators, which help our environment out. Right. So how do we figure out through our interdependence, how we can provide service for the good of all? How are we in service for the good of humanity and, and globally? How are we in service for the good of all beings on this planet? outside yeah. of humanity. And uh, I think that's beautiful. Uh, for the record, Dave Asprey is not living past a fucking 100 years old. There's no <laughs> yeah. fucking chance. I don't give a shit what biohacks he has. And it can happen. And more importantly than that, I think one thing that we've been confronted with that that is such a beautiful teacher, and I'm, I'm, it really warms my heart knowing that you got to spend time with your father as he passed. But it's this concept we have around death. You know, like we have to to start to reframe that. We have to start to understand that death is the beginning of something new. Yeah. It is not the end all. And the idea, you know, the Ray Kurzweil's of the world, the people who who want to live forever in this body or or machine body or continue to change their consciousness around and leapfrog from uh, one set of machinery to the next upgrade. Guess what? You already get to fucking do that, and you yeah. don't have to invent anything to do it. Yeah. And more importantly, you would just be stuck here on Earth doing that. If you wanted to just keep your consciousness here like Avatar, you know, like if, if, that's, if that's the game, or you fucking bounce somewhere else and you select a body that might be completely different in a completely different planet, completely different galaxy. Like, <laughs> I'll take that. We don't yeah, need to be so totally. attached to this one um, lifetime, you no. know? And And I think that's... You know, it's it's uh, it's a hard thing to grasp, and of course, for people that don't believe that, they're going to say, "Well, how do you, you you don't fucking know that? Nobody knows that." But what resonates deeply with me in the medicine is the fact that we we do have the ability to live past this life. There's yeah. no question. Whatever our consciousness is, it is non-local to the body, and that has been shown to me on several occasions. I don't know yeah. if it's when I forget. And it's the reminder, uh, but it is it is overwhelmingly a download that happens for me across the board. And if you go on a site like arrowid.org, that's one that we continually come across. It's a shared yeah. vision. It's a shared experience to understand that I'm not my body and whatever consciousness is exists outside of it. And I think that's 
an important thing to keep in mind because so much of our fear in life is built around our mortality. Yes. It's the great existential fear of, I think of, of, of all. And it's, and we're and that, and that fear is being knocked on at the moment, you know, like, uh, in a, in a big way. And I think to your point, and I totally resonate with that. I mean, I think the medicine is, um, is, is a great reckoner and it is in many ways, the way in which we can tap into what I perceive to be, you know, the, the truth of that, of that great guy in mind, that great guy in consciousness. And, and my sense is, and I, you know, it's just my opinion, but I think that this is kind of a warning, right? Like there's been great existential threats on the, on the science side as it relates to the, the, the result of our, of our egos all in a, in a relentless pursuit of, uh, identity and and victory in the consumption of all things which is once you get to eight billion people which is inherently unsustainable and what we have seen on the positive aspect of this period in time is you know uh you know a resurgence of you know i mean just anecdotally in la i mean i can see catalina clear as day you know and dolphins are now swimming in in the venice canals in italy and there is a paw you know the whales aren't uh, you know besieged by by sonar and all the noise I think basically what's happening is is in that guy in mind context. It's sort of like we're returning to signal and away from all that that noise, you know. And and I think, you know, death is is actually a great reckoner. You know, it's 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 a way in which, I mean, I think living endlessly, honestly, would probably be uh, atrocious. Uh, you know, like I think I think if it would be had, hell. It would literally exactly, become hell. Exactly. You wouldn't value all the things that we value are are inherently valuable because of their impermanence right it's like it's like in buddhism there's the flower right the the, the, the temple flower the frangipani which i lived in sri lanka we talked about i think in the last con- uh podcast with this traditional healer and you put the the flower on the altar to remind yourself of the impermanence of all things you know of uh, this thing which is so beautiful two days later is dead is you know is totally decayed right and that decay is what enables the the next season of flowers it's the spiritual compost it's the actual compost for that next season to bloom forth and so like i think in that in that denying of the actual essence of this guy and divine mind right like nature is so in in consciousness is so profoundly wise and it's it's when we forget to be in the listening around that and we lose sight of that signal that both our lives and then i think the collective you know the collective lives become super noisy and 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 off kilter right and so to me it's like right now we're amidst a, a rebalancing you know like in my teacher in sri lanka would call it and they said basically that health is the heart rhythm it's the rhythm of the heart and as i mentioned in the previous show you know there, in, in traditionally in sri lanka there's no word for privacy and there's no word for possession so even if one person fell out of balance if their heart rhythm was off kind of like a drum beat in a song you know like one guy off rhythm throws the whole song you know whereas like so basically they would from sunset to sunrise ritually recreate their shared cosmological worldview. And it was the whole community, like an OG festival, an OG burning man, you know, like coming together thousands of years ago with the role of simply bringing that one person back into rhythm, you know? And, and, and that, that is, I think, I think on a greater existential level, kind of what's happening is like a pause to call us back into rhythm. You know, it's like, okay, hang on. We got it real noisy there. So how do we, how do we find that signal again? Yeah, I like that a lot. There's um, one thing that's coming up for me is like the, you know, when the, when the Buddha talks about suffering and, and uh, Ram Dass really illustrates this well in his book, Becoming Nobody, which is just a yes. collection of his, of his, 
his uh, lectures when he was in his 50s, but he talks about suffering as the clinging to anything, and we cling to the things that we like, right? It's a, it's a holding on to or a control mechanism. And also aversion is on the same line of polarity. So the things that we don't like that we have aversion to and we try to push away or keep away, that creates the same suffering as the clinging does. Yes. But here we have this clinging to life. We have a clinging to our bodies. You know, it's, it's, and you look at plastic surgery and Botox and all the shit that's going on in the world, like people are literally trying to freeze their face in time. They're trying <laughs> to encapsulate it in this moment. And, and there, is no, there is no aging gracefully. There's no acceptance of aging because we don't, and perhaps this is because as a society, we don't look up to our elders, whereas yeah. in other cultures they do. But for every woman that I see that's older who has gray hair and a fucking regular face, that aged well, I, I've, I'm like, wow, that is a yeah. beautiful woman. That is a beautiful abuela, a beautiful grandmother. Like I totally. can see that medicine in her eyes and in her face. And it's not, there's no judgment on the people who do, because as I said, like sir, there are so many society societal programs in place. It's hard to look outside that box, but it's the equivalence of spraying your flower on the mantle with formaldehyde to try to keep it from decaying. Right. Right. Like you don't, there is no time capsule. There is no frozen fucking locked in place. You could take a photo and have that to remember, but understanding that everything is constantly changing and to be a part of that, to let go of that instead of clinging to that. Again, we go back into that moment of surrender and the more yeah. often we can just take our fucking hands off the steering wheel, the easier the flow happens. 100%. And, and, and the, the, you know, the antithetical to that is what we often find as we do get caught in our egoic mind of that suffering based in attachment, right? It's like, like those little things that catch us and then we can't, we don't want to let them go, whether that be a relationship that was on like ineffective or, you know, I had a, a huge contract that was promised to me last week, you know, you know, six figure, it was like in, in, in this, you know, straining financial time it was like oh man that's amazing and then at last minute fell away right and so you know for two days i was like oh what you know like i was in, in a way perpetuating my suffering because that shiny thing whatever that shiny thing was um i identified with the change that it could that it could uh, create so i feel like exactly as you say you know it's 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 our clinging it's our attachment that actually it creates the suffering that we are that we are seeing around us and so we're like it or not being kind of shaken up to our core on so many of the things that we were attached to not being sort of available which i think the the, the gift of is we get a chance to say okay well what is truly valuable to me right now yeah and how do we spend our time right yeah. you know like even even like and the, all this circles back to what am i in control of and what is not in my control Totally. Right. So like if you, if you can use that lens and uh, I don't, I'm not even going to butcher the serenity prayer. I butchered it so many times on this podcast before, but <laughs> you can Google it. And, and when you understand that, the you're asking God to grant you the wisdom to know the difference between the things you can't change and the things you cannot. That's me paraphrasing. Yep. If it's out of your control, you have to surrender to what it, to, to, to whatever happens. Right. And if you believe life is happening for you rather than to you, that's a good lens to look through. I prefer to see the world that way. Yes. But then you also have to look at, well, okay, what am I in control of? Well, we all have an abundance of time, you know, and that's something that Joe Dispenza taught me very well. He has, a, he has an incredible um, uh, meditation called Tuning Into New Potentials. Hmm. And, uh, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza has been on Aubrey's podcast. He's, he's written some fantastic books from You Are the Placebo to Becoming Supernatural. 
And in this, he talks about if you're trying to manifest abundance, you have to match the thought to the feeling. Mm. And you have to live through the visualization as if it has already happened. Right. And Jesus taught us to pray that way. Like mm. pray as if it is so. You don't make a wish. Right. And then you do whatever is necessary to make that happen. But when he talks about abundance, he says there's no real, you might think of abundance, but there's no real feeling for abundance. The feeling for abundance is freedom. And freedom is not just wealth, it's time. Mm. It's your ability to spend time with the people you love and the people you care about. It's the ability to explore. It's the ability to have less and less responsibility around being a provider or checking off all the boxes of the shit that we have to do each day and start checking off more of the boxes of the things we want to do each day. Yeah. But oftentimes if we look at this like a teeter-totter, in, in pursuit of wealth and finance, we will tip the scales so far down. We'll see t- all of our time go away just to see that wealth move up an inch, mm-hmm. right? But without time, it doesn't matter how much fucking money you have. If you can't leave the country to go to the Amazon or go to Hawaii or go for a hike or yeah. do yoga, what is the point? Exactly. What are you going to spend it on? You think you're going to do that in retirement with a stiff ass body from sitting at your desk <laughs> for 40 years? Like you're done at that point, right? Yep. So I think of uh, looking through that lens of if I look down the road and, and again, taking the secret out of this, taking you know the, the, the woo-woo and bringing it back to the practical. If I look down the road and say, what would I, how would I spend my time in retirement? Well, I know I want to garden. I know I want to be in nature. I know I want to be active. I would certainly, certainly do yoga more. And you look through all those things like where in the day can I start to trickle those things in now? Yeah. And I think that's, that's a critical lens to look through because, again, that's in our control right now. And one thing that's been really cool about this is for the most part, even if we have kids and we've been intelligent around how we schedule and how we give each other space, we can create time for ourselves. So for you who don't, you don't have kids right now, not yet at least, and, and you know, um, living alone, Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know, like, what pieces have you added in Mm. that are strictly for you during all this? What are the things that you've started to add to your daily routine that have really made a difference in your life? Well, you know, I would say the most, the most, well, so as part of my practice, you know, I'm doing every day when I wake up, I'm doing sort of a gratitude practice. I go out, I get my vitamin D. So this morning went out. It's also nice where I live because I can sort of see the waves. And for me, I'm, I'm very oriented towards, towards nature. Just as you had said, to me, that's like, that's church. So to go outside, step in, if it's, if it's cloudy or like the marine layers in, you know, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do my meditation in front of my red light, you know? So for me, it's getting lights, you know, like establishing my circadian, like a circadian sort of clock and rhythm, doing my meditation and tapping into gratitude. I find interestingly enough lately, especially, I don't feel I'm a particularly anxious person, but I have found lately that I've woke up with an underlying anxiety, not like, not like in a, an acute way, but just like a, through dreams, through lucid dreaming, just sort of realizing I'm have, I'm processing through and moving through some things. So like to tap back into the gratitude has been really helpful. I'm also journaling. The one of the things that I've added recently, um, which I don't think I've ever talked really about before, but came from um, some of my my medicine work um, in, in in some of my ceremonial work with indigenous elders. I will, you know, there's an aspect of reverence for the sacred elements, and there's an aspect of uh, of praying with the candle, the candle prayer, which is a, a, mm. a part a part of the ritual. And during that. Uh, 
part of the prayer, it's like spiritual Wi-Fi. It's like a, it's like a direct line to the creator. And those candles are imbued with, um, with uh, it's believed, and I believe, it's believed with a uh, intention. And if one continues to pray with that candle, it's a very powerful way to tap in to your conversation with whatever it is that is your version of creator or God. And one of the things that I didn't do consistently that I have done consistently during this period that has been life-changing for me is every night before bed, I'm doing the candle prayer. So I'm, I'm literally sitting in front of my fireplace, sort of bowing down and, and first giving thanks, you know, really giving thanks for so many of the things we take for granted. You know, I'm, I'm thanking the sacred waters, you know, the sacred fires, the, the things that are, that are essential and elemental that give so generously, right? Like, you know, I, I, I forget the quote, but like, you know, that it's like the sun never asks from the moon, you know, how, how many, we are truly wealthy already. It's just, we've, we've lost sight of it. Right. Like, and I think a lot of, um, you know, not to be overly romantic, but I think a lot of our, the indigenous communities that unfortunately we have treated with the greatest disrespect in many, in many contexts, uh, historically had a profound insight into what truly matters and, and the way that we do get to live in balance with this great guy in, uh, wisdom, this great guy in, uh, life. And, and I think unfortunately we've sort of lost sight of that. And, you know, we ultimately, whether humanity survives, we'll see, honest, quite honestly, because I think God, the guy in mind will, will cleanse itself as it needs to. But I've found that uh, my, my deep hope is that we as humans figure it out because I think, I think you know, I think God, the guy in mind is rooting for us. And for me, on an individual basis, it's, it's a way that I tap back into that which is beyond, uh, I don't want to even say beyond the self, but to your point, like, where do you go beyond death? You know, I think we, we tap back into the great oneness, which is all of us anyway. It's only the fall- fallacy of this meat suit that keeps us from, from actually recognizing the fact that we are inherently interdependent, that we are inherently interconnected, that the microbiome is the soil, that you know, that, 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 that which is within is the great microcosmic representation of that which is without. And so for me, the candle prayer has been my moment to sort of tap back into, along with other practices, obviously breath work and, and lights and meditation and, and uh, you know, I, yoga I, I'm consistent with when I'm, when I, uh, on, quite honestly, I like to do hot yoga. So I, my studio has been closed, but, and now I don't really like jogging, but you know, my jogging has been like the thing that I can do now, given where I'm at. And it's been beautiful because just that grounding, you know, putting my feet in the sand and, and, yeah. connecting and breathing in the negative ions from the ocean and just like looking at like the things that, you know, I've been where I live for six years and I get the same view, but I never take it for granted because to me, it's like the sunset is like God's great art show. You know, I'm like, man, like this is the best, you know, like how blessed to be able to look out and like, see the colors are never the same. Clouds are never the same. You know, there's this beautiful right now, there's a bioluminescence, which I've never experienced before. I don't know if it's because of, you know, things quieting or whatnot, but literally, you know, we have neon blue, like I can run my foot across the sand and it's like a Japanese paintbrush of neon blue. I mean, I just think there's such wonder around us all the time, you know, and, and like anyone, I often forget it. And so that's been a really beautiful practice for me because it's a simple thing, but it, it's really, and I'm not, I've not talked about it publicly, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the thing that I've, I've incorporated into this time that I will take with me outside of this time that I think is, um, 
so beautiful. And I know like you, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm a, a great believer in the power within the right set and setting of the master plants and their ability to, to along with a, a variety of other tools uh, without question, but to be great guides. And it was interesting because I had the opportunity to sit just as sort of COVID was sort of knocking on the door, if you will, with a really profound uh, Yawanawa uh, uh, shaman. And I was, I was very keen to, but I actually didn't feel right. Um, even if there was no risk whatsoever, I just, I know that one of the ways in which a lot of these indigenous communities have been decimated in the past is, is through spreading of pathogens and disease. And given the fact that I didn't know anything about COVID, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to sit, even if I'm totally clean and clear. I'll just feel better if I, so what's been interesting is the candle's been my way without going into circle or going off into, you know, Peru, which is, I was going to do without being able to travel. It's my way of like holding that space within myself. Mm, that's incredible. Where, uh, where in Peru are the Yawanawa located? Because I have the Yawanawa, uh, hape, which is a yeah. fantastic medicine. And it's of all the hapes that I've tried hape for people who don't know is a, tobacco snuff that is ground up and dried and it includes the ashes of different plants tree barks different things like that that add different properties to it and there is a yawanawan feminine that is super grounding and very yep. introverted so if you think of the masculine as external you would think outside of the box around problem solving solutions doing um your work that lies without without you know as, as without you. And then the work within would be the feminine. And when I, whenever I work with that feminine hape, the Yawanawan feminine, it's like just instant tap it. So I have mm -hmm. a lot of respect and gratitude for, um, you know, the medicines that they work with and where this stuff comes from, but where were you planning on going to Peru for that? So, so the Yawanawa actually are in Brazil. So I was going to do both. Um, That's right. This was so, but, but the community in Peru. So, uh, actually, so there's a gentleman that I've sat with before that works with the mountain spirits, um, outside of Machu Picchu. And I've worked with him with Wachuma and, uh, I, I can't even describe it. I mean, it, the, my experience with him was, and, and I, for me, obviously, different medicines and, and the context of different locations, which I, I consider to be part of the medicine, um, call to different things. So, um, and obviously, that one's uh, grandmother, one's grandfather. So, for me, I was actually looking at doing a balancing. So, I wanted to go to both. So, the, the Yawanawa work principally with ayahuasca, and they're based in Brazil. And then this, the gentleman with whom um, I was looking to work with in Peru was actually uh, a Wachumero. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so basically, uh, the Yawanawa, there's also uh, the Ashaninka uh, Banky, who I've actually had on my podcast, is amazing. Uh, I highly recommend. I mean, talk about, but this is also, and I, I don't know if we've talked about this before. I think this is also a beautiful piece to mention. So when you talk about someone who works with medicine, um, you know, Banky has been working with medicine for 40 years, right? And I think one of the challenges, and I don't know how it is in Texas, but, you know, I think there's a lot of people who, who look almost at, at medicine and the master plants like Westerners look at pills or other, other things that you would just take and it's, and it's a, oh, that's a cool experience. To me, I feel like that's almost like dangerous. Uh, and it can be because I think a lot of people hold space as if, you know, cause they think it's cool, but they don't realize quite what they're calling in and what they're bringing in. And, and so for me, that one of the important things, which I just like to mention is who is, who's holding the rights, the commitments they've made, the sacred commitments, you know, 
these people are the true shamans, not like the cat in Venice who calls himself a shaman, but the true shaman, <laughs> it's not, it's not like a sexy, it's not like, oh, I'm branding, you know, people I know that are, I mean, it's not like they wear that as their identity. That's like a commitment they've made to be an intermediary between this world and the next. And that's not, oftentimes that comes as a birth, you know, traditionally from, from significant illness and being guided to the other side and being able to be an intermediary between those two worlds. It's not something that is uh, romantic, uh, you know, like, cool, I dress, you not know. A, yeah, it's not a feather in the cap. You no, know, exactly. And so these, these folks are, are just uh, profound. Like Banky, the gentleman I mentioned, I'll just use him because he's a, he's a cogent example. I mean, he'll go on dieta for six months into the forest, you know, where he'll be literally like solo communing, listening, working with, you know, the spirits, the animals of the forest, such that he has the right to even hold and be clean enough himself as a channel to hold space for the collective healing. So, um, so that, that was another piece. And I think when everything um, sort of settles down and travel restrictions are removed, I definitely am feeling called to go and do a, a personal cleansing of this vessel, if you will. And, uh, and looking at both Peru and Brazil and, and working with some of those master teachers with the master plants um, and, and, and getting really clear. Because I think we are kind of existentially being sort of called to question. And for me, I think there are a few greater tools that I'm aware of in the right context set and setting with the right master holding space that can uh, really bring me back to, you know, to center and to where I need to be and, and be in a place of, 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 of divine listen. Yeah, that's incredible. And uh, certainly inspiring me because I, I've, uh, as we'll talk about, I'm sure on your podcast next, I've been, I've been dipping my feet into, uh, <laughs> into the wormhole of uh, different experiences and, you know that, that none of them are bad, but there have definitely been some ones that have been left me more confused than when I started. You know, especially yeah. at the beginning of all this. Um, but uh, you know, having that expert level guidance, you know, is is just is so critical. And it's kind of hard if you don't have anything to compare it to. You know, the first yeah. twelve ayahuasca ceremonies I did were were not with black belt shaman. You know, I had beautiful experiences, and I'm super super grateful for that. Um, that I was able to come out of the other side of that better than when I went in. But I know of quite a few people that have gone there and not come out better than when they went in. Yeah. And it, it is hypercritical that we, we call that level of expertise into those guiding, you know, because it, it really is that important. You know, the, Dr. Dan Engel talked about that. You're basically performing psychic surgery. That's it. And you need to have, you know, you want to have a, uh, Dr. Strange, you know, working on, you don't want the guy with shaky hands, you know? So <laughs> no, not even shaky hands. I think that's a perfect analogy. It's like, if, if I, if I, if you, if God forbid one ever needs uh, brain surgery, you're going to the best brain surgeon you, you can find. You're not going to a guy who picked up a book in the library and is going to figure it out, you know, like, oh yeah, I'll wing, I'll wing it, you know, like I just, you know, like, and it's, that's kind of the analogy, right? It's like when, when you actually are thinking about these plants, I mean, in, in a way, which which even goes to like, how would one have even found out the, the, the abilities of these plants, right? Like someone has to be on a different level of consciousness to even know, like, how do you mix like chacuna leaf and the vine? Like, how, do, how does one even come to, in, 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 to come to this divine knowledge, right? There is definitely something way bigger than our, than our Western conception of knowledge that's at play. And to your point, unfortunately, I think there are people some actually with not good intentions and some with good intentions, but just honestly not the training requisite to, to hold the kind of space, I think, to really shepherd someone through in a good way to, to Dr. Dan Engel's point where, where it's like, if you're getting psychic surgery, you want to make sure that that's taken out. 
And, 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 and if you're opening up the channel, you don't want to bring in things you don't want in there either, you know? And I think that's yeah. the other piece, you know, it's like you're taking yeah. stuff out, but you open it up, like you can open up and I, I and, and it's, uh, there's certain things you don't want coming into your space. So, um, so yeah, so I think, I think that's a very appropriate point. No, no, I want to circle back a little bit to this, to this candlelight prayer. What, I mean, are you going to like Yankee candle company for your candle? Like, or is this, uh, any, can you use any fire or is this like a special candle that you get from Tibet? No, uh, no, no, no. Beautiful question. No, I, you know, to be, as I understand it, uh, it's not about the, uh, the quality or the candle of, uh, of, uh, you know, so it doesn't, for example, you know, it doesn't have to be like a Lalabo or whatever the equivalent of that would be spiritually in terms of like, so I've been given, uh, my candles have come from previous ceremonies. I think the main thing is, um, for me, at least when one candle burns out, it's actually prior to it burning out, lighting your next candle from the wick of the candle prior to it's burning out. Because as I understand it, it's the imbuing of that spiritual, like you've done the work, right? It's, 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 mm-hmm. sort of, it's sort of the equivalent of the altar, right? If you do believe in prayer and the power of prayer, and you believe in the power of altar, which I think you can create altar anywhere, candle is sort of a centerpiece to the altar. And so it's the transmutation of that spirit of the candle from one candle to the next. And it's, to me, it's not about necessarily the quality of the candle in terms of its physical uh, quality. Um, I, I literally pray, I mean, I can actually show you. So like, this is my altar and, and this is my, this is my candle. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very, uh, you know, it's a very, uh, basic sort of candle, but to me it's imbued with, um, with my prayers. And so the, the main, the main piece is, is for me at least is sitting with intention and the intentionality directed into um, that that candle, and then from that place transmuting that um, you know into the next candle. So, for example, which I you know I also haven't shared about, and so I guess I've never gone gone to this place, but uh, yeah. Uh, but so when my father, when I was working with, um, you know, my father, who, who's my heart, you know, who's my, who's my spirit, you know, part, part of the work I did was bringing the candle. So like when it, when I got the call from my mom that, you know, this, that, you know, dad stopped eating and drinking, like it's, it's time I booked, literally booked a flight within one hour. And the, what I went to was just basically my spiritual tools, but basically my candle is what I brought with me. So when I sat by his side, you know, and when I, at night before I would say goodbye, cause I never knew if it was the actual, you know, the actual goodbye, the last goodbye, I would, I would, uh, I would pray with my candle. Mm. That's incredible, brother. Mm. Yeah. yeah these, uh, these medicines, they certainly do go hand in hand. And it's funny because a lot of the, the people <laughs> that are on, you know, uh, one side of the fence when it comes to meditation or, uh, yoga or any of these practices that are hugely beneficial. Um, a lot of them will say, you know, you don't, you don't mess with psychedelics or plant medicines or entheogens because it's a cheat code and, and any, you know, any shortcut will not lead you there. And in my experience, 100% of the time, it's somebody saying that who has no experience with plant medicines or entheogenic substances, right? You know, like, Oh, you can get there with meditation. Like, ah, you haven't had five MEO DMT, have you? (laughs) No. So, uh, and I meditate daily. I do yoga. I've been doing yoga daily for the last uh, three weeks of quarantine and it's fucking fantastic. But what I wanted to illuminate here was if we can take the judgment off around these things, we see that, you know, if we're not cutting corners and we are paying attention to our body, our mind and our intellect and our soul, 
you know, and through that, uh, let me unpack that. If we're eating well, if we're drinking well and staying hydrated, if we're getting sunlight and being out in nature, covering the practices of the body, if we're opening our body through yoga, stretching or mobility, if we're training the body and pushing it and stressing it in different ways, hormetically, that's the beneficial and not overdoing that. And then, of course, with the mind, if we're working on mindfulness and being able to switch off this mind, and drop into our quiet center, mm-hmm. um, all those practices go hand in hand. And all of those practices make the ceremony space better. And at the same time, a lot of my downloads in ceremony space have been to do yoga or meditate. So I mean, like, like when people have, I have yogis that have been like, I don't, I don't mess with that. You know, I, I get enough with yoga and it's like, well, I never would have done yoga without ayahuasca. Yeah. Ayahuasca told me repeatedly to start doing yoga. Yeah. You know, that was the message I got three ceremonies in a row and I, I kept getting the message until I actually started doing yoga. So it's like, you, you can't, it, it's a, it's just a funny thing how we choose to view certain aspects of things that we know very little about. And I just, I, I say that to open people to the possibility. I think most people listening to the show right now are, are open to those as possible ways for transcendent experiences and yeah. anything for that matter that can create an altered state of consciousness, whether it be a float tank, uh, shamanic breathing. Um, there's a number of ways we can do that without medicine per se, but having the intention, number one, right? Yeah. Having the intention to do that, having having the willingness and then the tool set, you know, like I'm not just going to huff and puff at my house. I want somebody there to guide me like an Anahata or uh, Stanislav Grav who invented holotropic breath work. And then once I have some equivalence and situational awareness in that, then I can do it alone. You know, I have the ability then to, to drop in per se um, with some of those practices and gain more from it. How have, uh, how have your practices from yoga to meditation to the plants kind of intertwined and gone back and forth. Like, have you noticed a leveling up um, from your yoga practice? And I, and I say this because I imagine, you know, we'll talk about what I've been doing in quarantine since doing yoga daily, the medicine practices I've done. And by the way, completely legal. I have uh, a prescription for ketamine. Thank thankfully um, completely legal at home. Uh, they've been just on a completely different level. Yeah. when I've done yoga on a daily basis. Like it's something's unlocking within my physiology that allows me to participate in the altered state of consciousness with a much greater degree of awareness and a much, you know, I'm, I'm able to steer the experience. Not that I'm avoiding darkness or hard stuff, but um, I'm able to sort through, like, am I in my monkey mind right now? Yeah. Am I in my quiet center? You know, like to know the difference between the two, I think that makes a big difference. So I guess my question is, what have you gained, um, you know, recently or even before quarantine, I guess, from either or side of that fence and how have they impacted yeah. the other side? Great question. So I would say I think both, as you kind of astutely point out, I think both inform the other. And for me, I, I agree. I mean, I, I came from uh, a worldview. I grew up in the Midwest, you know, like very much a uh, meat, you know, meat and potatoes kind of like, you know, sports, like that's like the, the background. And I, and I, I respect if someone chooses that, that, that their path is, you know, whatever their path is, whether that's sport, I mean, there's many paths to God, so to speak, or, or to your highest potential and possibility. However, you know, you want to see that. For me, um, meditation and yoga have been absolutely essential 
to calming the mind. And obviously, we can go into the science of that, you know, the Harvard research, literally decreasing size and activity of the amygdala, increasing size and activity of the hippocampus. So even if you're a total science nerd, and you're not into the spirit, uh, the idea of spirituality, I think there's there's demonstrated efficacy in in these practices without question, right? Like you can go see the brain scans of Tibetan monks who've been, you know, there's all kinds of uh, demonstrated evidence. For me personally, I, I find, and I, when, when I talk about, uh, working with plants, for example, to me, it's not an escape. Uh, and I, I do it collectively and all, and, uh, and fostered by a, a master, um, you know, a master shaman. So for me, it's a very selective and it's, it's hard, man. Like I'm actually like, and I've done a bit of work, but like each time it's like, as if you're going to see like a master in the dojo, you know, like if you're like, a, if you're in jujitsu and you're going with the, like, you know, it's not going to be easy. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't treat it. So I'm just sharing that to me, it's not an escapist pleasure. It's I'm, you know, going to do work, you know, like in the traditions I, I, I sit in, a, you know, I'm sitting up the entire time all night confronting that, which most of us, including myself, are often the most scared to confront. But in that process, like you, I've, re- I've received information, downloads, messages, whatever, however you want to call it, of things that I'm, I get to do, not from a place of guilt, shame, and judgment, but things that aren't serving me and why they're not serving me. So, for example, my decision to stop drinking alcohol and it wasn't like, hey, never drink alcohol again. But my decision to stop drinking alcohol, it's like, you know, as, as, a, as a friend once said to me, you know, McDonald's, uh, excuse me, alcohol is the McDonald's of mind altering substances. You know, it's like I just realized <laughs> that, like I'm doing all this work, you know, I, I, and like I, I had done all this profound work, like two weeks of the deepest work of my life confronting like the scariest, gnarliest childhood trauma, like clearing, cleansing, like. The, some of the hardest work I've ever done in my life. And then I was, you know, not to whatever. I, I was in obesity after this at, on my birthday, after, you know, some time of doing all this deep work. And I had, you know, I didn't, not crazy, but like sip of champagne and this and that. And it was like the clouds had rolled in. It was like I had done all this work to clean away and get super clear as a vessel. And then, you know, like all of a sudden, like the old seductive, oh yeah, why not? I have a little shit. And, and not, not to make it bad, but it just, what I realized is, the plant work has, for me, to answer you, the, ascent, the essence of your question, has been a great teacher, a great gift in, in showing me areas where, you know, I might have habits, I might, you know, I might enjoy certain things, but like, what's the cost of it? Not in a judgmental way, just like, okay, well, you know, here's what you get to see. And also, I mean, to, and I've gotten proof also, I mean, this is going to sound maybe out there, but like, I, for example, in, it was in ceremony that I knew the exact, I knew when my father was going to pass. So when I was going to go to Peru, I knew not to go because I knew that given how important it was for me to be there for him, I literally got a download. Okay. April next year. And it was like, okay. So like certain things, which I can't explain scientifically that, that have been various guideposts for me of how to live life. And that's been informed most profoundly when I have the other practices that keep me in a centered way. So yoga for me, meditation, running, breath work, all of the things that require no sort of entheogenic medicines, uh, but are more like the day-to-day practices. I mean, for me, entheogenic medicines are like, it's like 
it's like the equivalent of a mountaineer going to Everest, you know, it's like, or, or, or it's, it's, it's not something you do every day. It's not something I do on a, in a, in a, on a regular basis. It's more like when I feel like I need clarity that my egoic mind can't really wrap around, that's really when I go to the mountain. And the others are what I do on a day-to-day basis to just keep my vessel in a good way and remind me when my monkey mind or my ego starts to like want to take me off track of, hey, you know, come on back to center, you know, like, and so, so that's, that's my relationship uh, in, in a nutshell. But, but uh, I think the two are very complementary. I have no judgment of people who choose not to pursue, you know, entheogens. I think, I don't think they're for everyone, but I do think for many in the right set setting with the right master uh, guide, they are of the most profound uh, healing tools as we see with PTSD and veterans and a variety of different folks. You know, Ferris has talked about, I, I'm sure a ton of people you've talked about, you've talked to on your, on your show. Uh, but, but I, I just think that there, we are now in a place where we're, we're confronted cosmologically with this sort of great reckoning um, in terms of climate change, in terms of right now as we record this corona, these various things that are, kind of, I think, trying to wake us up in my own particular point of view to our true nature and our true selves. And there's very few things that I think have the efficacy in time, you know, because it's not 2000 years ago and we're not in a cave in, 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 you know, in Asia, uh, you know, I think there's very few things that give us the information that we can apply with the re- with the rapid you know degree that i think we pr- are being called to in a way um in terms of us as humanity waking up to itself such that we can sort of hopefully right the ship in terms of our collective balancing so for me i'm about anything that brings the individual back into balance because i think we're microcosmic representations of the macro which is which we're also seeking to come and, and bring back into balance yeah i love that brother Absolutely beautiful. Uh, well, we're, we're approaching the hour mark here. Uh, yeah. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to cover on this one? No, man. I just, I'm always honored by our, our conversations in person. Uh, I always, you know, I just, I love your heart, man. I, I just honor and acknowledge you for that, that, that big heart of yours. And, and, and I think also, you know, I, I think we've talked about this, just being, being, uh, you know, an athlete, you know, obviously a profoundly successful uh, professional athlete talking about this work, which oftentimes I think is is stigmatized. And by the way, like I didn't even talk about this until three, four years ago because I, I had my own judgments around it. But I think is such a gift to, to people. So I honor and acknowledge you for that. The one thing I will say is, which I haven't even told you about yet, but we'll talk about on my show, is I decided given sort of the collective... You know, I think a lot is being talked about appropriately as it relates to, um, you know, first responders and those that are that are in this sort of front lines, if you will, of this challenge. I think what's not being talked about that I'm very interested in, which I think is analogous to the work you're, you're doing with Aubrey on fit for service, is I'm going to do another, you know, those who don't know my background was launching a music festival called Global Citizen. I'm going to do a Global Citizen style event um, but around this notion of resilience and renewal. So like to the, to the mindset and the mental. Um, so if people want to tap in and get more info, they can just hit me up at Michael trainer or um, at peakmind.org or peak mind podcast on, on all the podcasting platforms, which you'll be on very shortly. Um, Cause I'll be given more info and I'd obviously love to have you involved. So, um, so yeah, man, got some great artists associated and uh, some great humans, but overall, I just hope people are taking care of themselves, doing whatever they can to uh, to celebrate those they love and uh, and spend quality time celebrating our health, the time, which is the great wealth we have on the planet and the people we get to spend it with. And I'm, I'm grateful to spend it with you, my man. 
Fuck yeah, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. And we'll yeah. jump on yours here shortly. I that love sounds you, man. good. Love you too. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's show with my dude, Michael Trainer. Remember, leave us a five-star rating. That way we get the word out about this show with one or two ways the show has helped you out in life. And if you got any questions at all about upcoming guests, what's going on in life, all that good stuff, head over to at Living with the Kingsburys on Instagram and either myself or my wife will get back to you. Love you all, and I'll see you in a week.